Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Veerja Jackson, the CEO and creative of Living Strong Consulting. And we're continuing our conversation around resilience and strength and healing. And I have a unique guest on the show with me today. So this is actually an example of paying attention, looking up, and being willing to connect with people you don't know. Mm -hmm. My guest, one of my guests today, (laughs) as many of who follow me, know that Living Strong, um, we decided to uh, open an office. And so I've been in the office since February. And this woman has been in and out the office. I think we even passed each other a few times. Yeah, several times. But we're in the kitchen and I feel someone walk up next to me (laughs) and start talking. And when I tell you immediately connected, immediately connected, we talked in in the kitchen, then we talked down the hall, then we talked in my office and just kept going. And her wisdom, her passion for serving families, for, for serving youth, for building and even connecting, why this conversation is so powerful, even serving and supporting providers Mm -hmm. and understanding what's getting in their way. The conversation was electric. So you know what I did. (gasps) My listeners need to hear from you. (laughs) So she said yes. And then she said, I need to bring my partner with me. I said, all right. (laughs) We will have a full conversation. So I know you, you are on the edge of your seat wondering who these special guests are that we're going to have this flip side conversation tonight talking to, talking and advocating for, and hopefully providing wisdom, insight, and tools to families, to those who care for youth, and for providers who are feeling stuck and uncertain and dysregulating. We're going to try and cover all of it. But first, Let me tell you who I have. Dr. Jennifer Benjamin is a licensed professional counselor, an independent practitioner in the greater Philadelphia region. Dr. Benjamin is the clinical fidelity specialist for the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center. Her responsibilities include oversight of continuing education programs, curriculum development, researching the ESFT model and assessment tools, and developing the organizational practices to ensure the integration of social ecology and family culture across all trainings, supervisions, and case conceptualizations and clinical consultations. She received her doctorate, PhD, in 
Industrial and Organizational Psychology from Capella University and a Master of Arts degree in Counseling Psychology from Immaculata University. I know. Now, I could have gone on because her credentials, her experience is vast, and I want you to have a chance to actually hear from her, so I had to stop the bio there because it would have taken up probably the rest of the half of the show because, let me tell you, Miss Pinky Patel yes. also extensive bio, heart centered work, just reading the work that she does. Uh, the pa- You could feel the passion for serving others just jump off the page. So let me give you the details of just some of her credentials. Miss Pinky Patel is a program director at Creative Health Services, mm-hmm. overseeing an in-home systemic family therapy program with 24-7 crisis response for several emotional disturbed youth in life-altering circumstances and life-threatening behaviors. She is the Associate Director of the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center, where she oversees organizational development, provides executive consultation for program implementation, clinical training, licensure supervision, and continuing education courses. She has her Master's of Arts degree in marriage and family therapy from LaSalle University and is a licensed marriage and family therapist. She is an approved American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy Supervisor. I know you're like, we are going to get informed (laughs) in this episode. Exactly. Now, not only do you not pass on an opportunity to talk with someone who is like-minded and has a passion that fills you the same way you hope you fill others. You don't pass on that conversation, but when they have the credentials to support it, it's a definite yes. So welcome to the flip side of adversity conversation, Jennifer and Pinky. Thank you. We're very excited to be here. I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. I know. We, it, this has I've been, been looking forward to you at the office. And I'm like, where is she? I know, she? right? <laughs> this has been in planning for a couple of months yes. now. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So we are finally here. And let's jump into it because I have several questions. Yes. And if you have questions, please don't hesitate to, if you're on social media, drop them into the comments or call into the station. But so... When I was doing my homework, mm-hmm. you have a resource on your website and the opening quote to the resource um, shares children with emotional and behavioral dis- disorders are often adrift in our society, mm-hmm. lacking adequate mental health care or caught between several child serving systems such as child welfare juvenile Mm -hmm. justice, and the schools. And when I saw that quote, I said, there is no other time that that is ringing so true right now. Mm -hmm. And adults are scratching their heads, pulling on their, their, their heart with what do I do? Mm -hmm. And so my question is, how do you see 
each family uniquely as you are trying to navigate systems, diagnoses, stress. Mm -hmm. How do you, recognizing everything that's going on, how do you still go into a home or have someone come to you and you're able to pull out the unique qualities within Mm -hmm. them? Mm -hmm. Either Mm -hmm. one. You want to start? Yeah, I... um... You know, I just think about um, the chaos you're talking about that you walk into and you have to really take this position that these people have lived experiences that are invaluable, but they've been just overtaken by adversity Mm -hmm. and how the like trauma and tragedy and hardship is impacting them and they just need somebody who will hold space to say like i see you and you are capable but you really have to position yourself that way i so agree i so agree Mm because i think about when that visual image of the chaos that over, I feel like that chaos has families forget the power that they have. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Right. And so Pinky, what are some of your thoughts? So for me to build off of what Jenna is saying is also around, I try to enter in with every family has a story. Mm -hmm. Right. And we're all part of a family or a system. We've all been influenced in one way or another by those relationships that we've had across our lifetimes. And they've allowed us to build on our character, our values, so on and so forth. And there have been times where those resources, those strengths have built resiliency for us. Mm-hmm. And then there have been times where we've needed a little bit more, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so we turn to a new person or someone else in a different way to add to what we've already got. So for me, whenever I'm walking into a new family, it's really about wanting to hear their story of how did you get here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are those stories? What are those relationships that speak very clearly and loudly to you when you turn to your child, if you're a caregiver, or when that child is turning to you as their caregiver. And so really, it then stops being so much about what's in front of you as the referral behavior and more about how is this behavior showing up in context of the system that we're all a part of Mm. because we're all reacting and responding to what's around us. Yes. That concept or um, awareness Mm. of Mm -hmm. that we are operating in a system. Mm -hmm. We're responding to the elements within this system and they can be healthy or maladaptive survival or, or victorious, Mm -hmm. but where we are creating our responses. How would you say, because I know as I coach home visitors who are Mm -hmm. the ones go walking into the chaos and then part of my role is to, is to help them 
pull apart all of the things that just happen so it doesn't stay stuck in their soul. Yeah. When you are walking into spaces that have so many things happen with happening within the system, almost to the point, you're like, where do I begin? Mm-hmm. What skills do you use to actually listen for root, for system, mm-hmm. as opposed to getting swept up into problem? Mm-hmm. Well, what listening yeah. strategies oh, do you gosh. use? So, so many thoughts. Uh-huh. Do you want to start? Yeah, for me. <laughs> Our brains are exploding. Yeah, yeah I, you know, and I think you're talking to my soul, which is that supervision piece mm-hmm. and yeah. understanding who we are on a human level. Yes. And how that shows up in our therapeutic relationships, right? Because when we move too fast through that space, it's our own dysregulation Mm -hmm. or trauma Mm -hmm. or our own life experiences that are getting in the way. And, you know, we have to give space and we have to honor that because so long as a society, we're taught that you just have to push past your stuff. Yes. Yes. Right. Or you're and, bad for having stuff. Right. Right. Don't get me started. Right. We'll be here all day. Right. Right. And, right. So for us, it's mm-hmm. really about recognizing and acknowledging mm-hmm. what that quote unquote stuff is. Because mm-hmm. yeah. then once you recognize this, mm-hmm. you can look at a referral or, you know, an evaluation or whatever the case may be. You can start to think about what's coming up for me on an emotional level or an intuitive level that is either going to be a strength or resiliency of my own that I can bring into this work, or it's going to present as a challenge or a barrier. Mm -hmm. And if it is, I better take myself to supervision or a consultation and start talking about, hey, like I can see myself getting caught up in this because I've had this experience. And I know that when I'm sitting in a space like that, this is how it shows up in my mm-hmm. body, in my mm-hmm. head, right? Mm-hmm. In, in in my heart. And when that happens, we as individuals all have a trauma response. We yes. fight, yes, we flight, we faint, mm-hmm. or we fall on, right? Mm-hmm. And so yep. for some of us, that looks like we start pushing through as quickly as possible and maybe unintentionally because we're trying to take care of ourselves and everybody else in the space there, Mm -hmm. we push our agenda through. Yes. Yes. And for some of us, we just get become frozen and we're not sure what to do. And now everything is playing out and becoming really big in their space. Mm -hmm. And, and, And now I'm swept up. Yes. Well, in the chaos. Yes. You get pulled into, well, you're talking about the the other way to think about the chaos is the culture of the family, right? Right. Mm -hmm. The family has rules, beliefs, rituals, and traditions. And the moment you cross that threshold, you're in their culture, right? Right. And so if we, we think about what Pinky's bringing up, we're really talking about, let's start being prepared Mm -hmm. that when you walk through the threshold, you're going to feel stuff. Yes. You're supposed to, though. <laughs> Isn't that part of yes. being empathetic to your Be clients human. and your family? Feel things. Right. Yeah. Having the gift for the work. Correct. You yes. have to have one foot in. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And and I know 
um, from even just some of our short mm-hmm. conversations that you have some core philosophy, some universal practices or approaches that help you um, stay informed of how to approach families, just mm-hmm. as the title you selected for this episode, universal practices or approaches that help mm-hmm. the provider. And I feel like the family, remember, mm-hmm. you actually still have power. Mm-hmm. You're oh, yeah. pivotal mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. this change mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. What are some some keys, yeah. practices that you can share with many of the home visitors, the professionals who are listening? Well, you know, when you think about this idea of being prepared, right? That's mm-hmm. what I hear you saying. Yep. So when you walk through the door and you engage with the family, how are you doing it in a way that immediately sets the tone of elevating the caregiver? Mm-hmm. right? That you are setting the tone. You are the leader. I'm the professional, right? Because really the professional's job is to help that leader gain back that place where they can nurture their child and promote their growth and development. And what happens because we get uncomfortable, we will end up becoming central Mm -hmm. and do the work for the caregiver, right? Right. So the first thing is we at all times use ourselves in service of the family to promote the caregiver. But I don't want us to move too fast past what you just said, because it's golden, Mm -hmm. that they are the leader. Like being able to empower and remind, even in my chaos, my mistakes, the things that haven't gone the way that I hope they had in that, even in that mm-hmm. to still be identified mm-hmm. as the leader mm-hmm. is, whoo, but it, powerful. I mean, it literally starts, I mean, Pinky and I were just training the other day and we were talking about. You know, I go up to the door and I knock and the eight-year-old answers the door and says, come in. If I enter at that moment, the meta message is your child's in charge of this home and so am I. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I stand and I wait. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe the caregiver comes out and goes, why are you letting the air out? Get in the house. (laughs) And I go, oh, of course, Mrs. Mm -hmm. Smith, I just wanted to wait till you invited me in. Thank you so much for having me here. Right. But how you enter in that first moment can set the tone for the remainder of treatment, right? Because I don't want that caregiver to think I don't need them there. Mm. Yes. Yes. When you talk about setting the tone, Jen, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, that, what is that tone? That tone is to be collaborative with the caregivers, right? To put them back in a position of leadership and empowerment where they feel like they can create an environment where there's healing that's happening Mm. as well as development that allows their children and the family as a whole to be successful long-term, right? And so that's got to start before you walk in that door and when you walk in that Mm -hmm. door. So when we talk about collaboration, it's really this idea of the family is the expert on the family, 
The caregivers are the expert on the family. They know what the rules, rituals, beliefs are mm-hmm. from a cultural standpoint that have driven and guided their family mm-hmm. through the generations and through, you know, um, various adversities over the years where there mm-hmm. it's generational trauma, historical trauma, racial systems, you know, all the full gamut of different social ecology layers. And we also then simultaneously create space for us as practitioners to be the experts on the therapy, or right? The ser- so there's room is, for the both service. of us to yeah. have power. Yes, yeah. yes. That really communicating that you are the expert of your story mm-hmm. and making sure that you are walking into the invitation for now me to become a new chapter. Mm-hmm. And how That's can it. I how can mm-hmm. I help you with this chapter? Right. Yeah. It's that narrow mm-hmm. negative narrative. And what we're doing is trying to shed light on all of these pieces so they can just keep writing. Because yeah. the story's not done. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. How do you define culture? of every family. I so appreciate um, really talking about how external systems and internal Mm -hmm. systems are impacting, re-traumatizing, oppressing all of that families, Mm -hmm. trapping them into, Mm -hmm. into systems. I'm curious on two ends of the conversation. One, how do you or how do you support other professionals in understanding when I witness a culture that is not the same as mine? Mm-hmm. How do I navigate <laughs> that moment? Like, because uh, sometimes yeah. we want to make that we want to make that thing match what I'm used to. Yep. And then I get stuck in the moment because what well, they're wrong. If they would just oh my do gosh. it. Right? I was thinking it and it came out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, yeah. We label things as wrong or yeah. bad because we want to fix yeah. it based off our lens. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. How do we move past that? How do we move past that? So let me answer your first question. Yes. Right. Is how do I define culture? For me, culture is defined as what are the rules, rituals, beliefs, values that I have been exposed to throughout my lifetime in the various relationships that I've had that impact me, but that also influence me in my decision-making and who I am from a social identity component, right? So that's the first part. So because yeah. all of those things also deeply yes. impact as a parent, how I show up for yeah. my 14 year old daughter. Yes. Yeah. So there is that component of it. And then the other piece of this is really when you talk about like when there's differences, mm-hmm. how do what do we define that as? Well, we can define it as conflict, but really what it is about is how my rules, rituals, beliefs values and morals are maybe different than what yours are. And now we have to sit in that space of 
not about who's right and who's wrong, but how do we create space for both to coexist? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I, if, yeah. I think there's such immediately as you were talking about it, my mind went to, it's not a conflict. It's an actually an opportunity. Yes. That if we leaned in that there's an opportunity for me to learn from you yeah, and for yeah. me to share with you as well. Right. But if I get stuck in, um, but, but that's wrong, it sabotages yeah. the entire process. And in some ways, would you agree that it, it robs, it robs the, the family of that power that you, mm-hmm. you <laughs> planned to be able to share in when you arrived. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh mm-hmm. this is so good. So you defined culture. Mm-hmm. So what is being culturally responsive? Mm. I just think about um, when you're sitting with the family and you start to observe Um, the parental leadership, the co-caregiver alliance, the co-regulation, the attachment. We, We often tell our trainees, what questions do you have? Instead of just giving an observation, get curious. We are such kindreds. (laughs) I told you. That's why I was like, I must talk to you. Right? Yeah. But it's like, wow, I I see how you've instilled in your child such a strong work ethic. Can you tell me where that comes from? Yes. Right? Because where my work ethic comes from is unique to me. And I've you know, part of it is also thinking about like whatever we discover in somebody else, we can discover the same thing in a different direction within ourselves. Yes. Right. So it's really about um, this discipline of curiosity, but also, you know, when you start to realize as a professional, I don't have to have the answer to fix it. I just have to have the discipline to be curious and build their voice. Right. You don't have to work so hard. Say that again, because I feel like you just set some people free. (laughs) I don't have to have that. All of the answers to fix it. Right. When the caregiver goes, fix my kid. Right. Right. Fix my kid. Right. I don't, I don't know what to do. You fix it. Right. Right. And we're so used to fixing things that we forget. Sometimes it's about managing it, Mm. right? So when you say fix it or work so hard, when you take the shift of families being their own best resources, what you start to look at is this idea of there's an African proverb that somebody had shared with me in a training, I think two years ago. Yeah, and all our jaws hit the floor. Uh, yeah. Salman said the proverb is, is that when a child does not feel the warmth of the village, he or she will burn it down. I need that to connect with the episode. Everybody who listened <laughs> to the episode on the power of the village, mm-hmm. you just saw that connection. You just saw it. Mm-hmm. Right. That's literally what's happening in our communities. Correct. Everywhere. Literally. And so when that happens, 
what we're talking about is it's not often it usually it's not just that child that is not feeling the warmth it is also the parents it's also the caregivers around them it is probably also other members of that village and so we have to oftentimes come together to say you've got this i've got this let's put this together to make things a little bit bigger let's expand mm-hmm. our ecosystem and our resources mm-hmm. and that's really that shift that we talk Mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. Well, and if you think about what she's saying, so imagine you're the professional sitting in that moment. You don't have to fix it. You just have to be disciplined and brave enough to say, turn to your alliance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when you get uncomfortable, I'll sit here with you. I'll stand by you. And I need you to turn to your alliance. Yes. Right. Break that down for someone who's thinking. So what if I don't have no, what does my alliance? Oh, we hear that all the time. Right. So let me, can I give you an example? Mm -hmm. So we had a family that we worked with years ago. And so oftentimes you do hear that from, you know, single parents or even Mm -hmm. both parents are in the home, but they're working, whatever the circumstances are. And they're like, there is nobody, you know, my family lives a farther away and it's just us. There is nobody I can call upon. So when we sit down and use our assessment tools, like an eco map, we sit down and talk about, okay, tell me who brings fuel to your fire Mm -hmm. and who brings water to your fire, right? Who are the energy draining sources and who are the energy providing sources? Mm -hmm. And when you shift it that way Mm -hmm. and you start looking at what would it look like for you to have a different relationship with that person, whether it's formally like the school, the community, the church, the neighbors. I want to know everybody. I want to know what's taking energy and what's giving energy. If someone says, I got nobody, I'm like, okay, who's taking your energy? Show me. Right. Tell me. Let's map it out. Yeah. So, yeah. So in this instance, what it was, was, well, I have a sister who lives, you know, maybe 10 minutes away, um, but I can't ask her, well, why not? Well, she's dealing with cancer. Okay, so hardship, tragedy is also an adversity are also knocking at her door as well as your door. And, you know, she's got a lot going on. I oftentimes bring her food for her and her family, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. What the shift was, was then that this parent was oftentimes just dropping it off and then coming home. Rather, the shift was, why don't you have dinner with your family and her family. And yep. and that allows your child to feel connected to the rest of the family while you're also feeling like now I've built reciprocity mm-hmm. in our relationship because people oftentimes turn away from those relationships when they feel like a burden on those relationships. Oh, or isolation. I, yes. Isolation immediately. Yes, well, yes Jennifer. Or the professional says, okay, let's add all these formal supports. Hmm. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. More people coming in. And and I feel like it can end up becoming this domino effect of where I'm looking for all of these other people mm-hmm. to fix my life. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm caught in a spiral Correct. of powerlessness. Right. And unless someone else comes in to fix it, I'm doomed. I'm always going to be looking for fish because I never learned how to fish, catch my own. Right. Right. And so that's, that's the shift is 
Mm-hmm. We're going to do it together so that you can, mm-hmm. when we leave, you can catch your own fish. Mm. What do you think are the biggest missteps that providers are making in this season? And I want to honor that this is such a hard time. It's I, unique. I am, I am mm-hmm. so deeply impacted mm-hmm. as I talk or coach with providers who then, who they themselves had to walk out of a house and they sat in there triggered the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, so c- give us some nuggets. What what do you think are some of the biggest missteps that providers and professionals are making as they're working with youth, children, youth, and then mm-hmm. the family, any, any of the above? Mm. I would say the first one is what you just said, right? And I think it's gotten bigger and bigger as the years have gone on is oftentimes we're feeling like we're functioning in isolation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, both with the family, but also with ourselves. And we're, we're not doing that thing, that parallel process part, isomorphism yes. of looking at how we connect with our relationships to feel our feet firmly on the ground. So that's, I think, oftentimes the biggest hurdle, at Mm. least from what I've experienced, even for me, is when I am not slowing myself down and turning to somebody and saying, I'm having these big thoughts and feelings inside of me, and they're not coming out of me Mm -hmm. to talk it through with someone like you or Jen or whoever the Mm -hmm. case may be, then I'm just left sitting in that. And it's not helpful to me. It's certainly not helpful to the family either. So before, Jen, before you jump in here, because I'm thinking specifically about a conversation, Mm -hmm. but if I share that, I'm not being professional. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If I show that I am triggered or I'm upset, yeah. Um, I'm no longer yeah. being professional. Right. How do you respond? In order for you to help the family practice asking for help, we've got to help you practice asking for it so that you can actually then use that mm-hmm. in your relationship with that caregiver mm-hmm. to say, I get how hard it is. Yes. In some respects, you're actually cultivating professional development for yourself in the yeah. moment yes. of a- learning how to ask for what you need. Right. Because oftentimes we will talk with families and ask, so what is it that you're, what do you feel like is your greatest need? And they are lost. Right. And oftentimes we, I will ask professionals, so tell me what you feel that you need. And yeah. they're Lost. They can, they, and, and I have learned over the years to even expand on those questions mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. ground this in. This is what I think. Yes. This is how I feel. Yes. This is what I want. And this is what I need. Say that one more time. This is what I think. Mm-hmm. This is how I feel. This is what I want. And this is what I need. Mm-hmm. Because want and need are two different things, two and different thinking things. and feeling are also very different. Two things. different things. <laughs> two yeah. different things. Jennifer, jump in here. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm just the thing that just keeps coming up is like asking people to do things we're unwilling to do for ourselves. Right. 
Right. And so I, I cannot tell you how many times I've turned to a caregiver and said, I'm going to talk to you about something that's really hard and that's probably going to be difficult to do, but I want you to know I'm not asking you to do something I have not done myself. And that's where the humanness mm -hmm. becomes invaluable. I mean, Salvador Mnuchin didn't care what your credentials were. You could go to the center mm -hmm. and you could train, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So when we practice the things that we are asking of others, our, our true empathy is so compelling and intrinsically motivated not only for us to be brave, but they feel it. Yes. They can feel when we're saying like, did you check the box on the behavior right. scale? Right. Versus I know I'm asking you to do something that will make you feel afraid because I felt afraid when I did it. Mm. I'm not self-disclosing all my business. Right. But I'm honoring the fact that like parent to parent, this is hard. Yeah. Yeah. Human, I see you. I've walked this journey mm -hmm. sharing that it was work. It wasn't comfortable. Mm -hmm. Don't lean back away from the, the discomfort. I'm here. Right. I'm not going to move from this space. I can, I, I, I'm actually wired to be able to stay in this space with you. All of those elements. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a conversation um, actually just yesterday and I pushed a button and I knew I pushed a button because mm -hmm. as a coach, I said, honestly, though, you're lacking integrity if you're expecting people to make all of these changes, be willing to comply, change, grow. And you're sitting across from me saying, I can't or I'm yeah. not going to. Yeah. That lacks integrity. Yeah. And it it was a whole like, oh, but their word's important. Okay, then what are we going to do about it? Yeah. Right? Mm. Yeah. So I want to lean into the supervisor sure. lens because mm. I know I've got some administrators listening. Sure. Mm -hmm. How do you walk, not train, how do you walk your staff or, or the person that you're supervising? <laughs> how do you walk them out of that armored up place? Mm. Uh -huh. How do you help them recognize it's okay to work on you? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right here, this one. How do you do mm -hmm. it? Um, I have to be very aware of myself, right? So I love Brene Brown. Huh. Yes. Um, and what we're essentially talking about is the idea of practicing vulnerability and bravery. Yes. And teaching others to be brave and vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that's got to start from within, right? So if I'm stuck, I have to be willing to turn to my staff and say, I'm stuck and I need your help. Or the other one that I use so often is um, help me understand. Yes. Right. Yep. I'm confused. Help me understand. <laughs> yes. What am I missing? Right. And it's not just what am I missing? Because when we talk, I will say, what did I get right? And what did I miss? That's really vulnerable for, uh, for the leader, the administrator mm -hmm. to ask one ask for help so what i'm hearing you say is 
we it literally trickles down. So the administrator has to be willing to yeah. be vulnerable. Yeah, and to you model, and you have to acknowledge out of the gate on day one of that relationship that we're not going to get it right by each other. We are not. That is the nature of relationships. There will inevitably be conflict. And people are afraid to have that conversation of when, whether you label it as when my value system, when my belief system is different than yours, how do we work together? Or it's simply when conflict occurs in our relationship, when we have a different of opinion, yeah. how are we going to turn towards one another? Yep. Versus turning away from one another. Yes. Oh, that is it, in my mind. I literally see the connection from here to here to here. Because if we can't do it as professionals, as colleagues, mm -hmm. as supervisor to supervisee, if we can't do it in this realm, again, for me, it lacks integrity that we're now in this family's. Yeah. ecosystem yeah. and telling them, yeah. well, you, you need to lean in. You need to go right. over and spend some time right. with, the, with the sister instead of just dropping off. It's all interconnected. Right. And we are also professionals, right? So there are certain things that are just not up for negotiation <laughs> because they're bound to safety, they're bound to laws, whatever yeah, the ethics, case may yeah. be, or ethics. Mm -hmm. And we have to sit in that space out of the gate to say, when I put my gatekeeper hat on mm -hmm. and this thing comes up, right? I've had to say, I can help you have a conversation. We can talk about what's coming up for you because I'm, I'm putting a boundary around this or I'm putting an expectation here. Mm -hmm. Or we can talk about how I can support you in meeting that. Yes. So it's both, right? Like this is yes. non-negotiable. And, and how do you want, how do we flush out our role and responsibility to one another to make this work? Because the, there are expectations. Like there are things that absolutely must be mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. So as, as a supervisor, um, not avoiding it, not getting frustrated, not just sitting in it, but actually also leaning in. And staying curious. Well, yeah, gosh, it's so important too to really um, how Pinky talks about the approach because the other thing that's coming up, you know, if we think about having leadership watching or administrators, mm -hmm. I mean, we're also talking about that those leaders have a privilege in that relationship, mm -hmm. right? Just like professionals do when they walk through the door. And so, like, what are you going to do with that privilege that you have? Like, mm -hmm. are you going to position it as as doing something relational? Or are you going to do something that's corrective and behavioral and criticizing? Mm -hmm. Right? Because mm -hmm. at the end, what's going to promote the most development in the staff, the professional, in the, in the mother or the, the caregiver or the child. And it's going to be the mm -hmm. relational, that moment of mm -hmm. uncomfortableness mm -hmm. and promoting their growth in that opportunity. Yeah. Right. And that's mm -hmm. what I think I've always admired about how Pinky turns to her staff because it's so easy as a leader to say, I'll do it next time. Right. But if we do that, the staff are going to do that, right? <laughs> and so yeah. Pinky has to discipline herself, take a deep breath, 
go into her slow brain and Mm -hmm. say, help Mm -hmm. me understand what's going on for you. And we can either address this or this, right? Sometimes we have to make choices in the absence of desired choices, or we can do both, but we're going to do this right now. Right. Right. Because that's what she wants her staff to do with the caregivers and the caregivers with the children. You are treasured and I have to lead you. Yes. Right. And they're allowed to have a pass, right? Like they're allowed to, there are going to be things that come up where it's just not the right time or day Mm -hmm. to process things. At the end of the day, though, like whatever crisis of the moment they're coming in with, (laughs) it's really content. There's a bigger picture. There's an underlying like process that's happening here. So I'm only going to give you that pass so many times where I say, hey, we keep coming back to this. And I'm worried that if we don't look at this, that you're not going to. Because you have to believe that we as professionals want to get it right by the family just as much as the family wants to get it right or the caregivers want to get it right by the child. Yeah. Um, that I'm worried that you're you're going to feel like you're always missing something. Yes. Right? I've yes. had to say I want to help you get that A+. plus. <laughs> so, you know, we have to sit in this. Mm-hmm. Like, let's look at this. Let's talk about this. Let's. You know, how are you addressing this and be able to say, because they sometimes have to go into the homes and say to a caregiver, I'm worried that unless you talk about all of the ways in which your trauma, your lived experiences are Mm -hmm. showing up in your relationship that are causing you to turn away if we, if you're not addressing it or if we don't help you find a way to address it, mm-hmm. that it is going to continue that process. Right. Mm-hmm. And, the, and, and that's this the system. Kid, right. This right. kiddo is going to pick up yeah. if whatever it is not processed. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. From one generation to the next. I cannot believe how fast our time is going by. I love just everything about your philosophy your approach. Tell us a little bit more about how uniquely positioned your organization is in addressing and supporting the needs of families and professionals. You want to So, I mean, we provide trainings across the board for lots of different programs and community-based providers in the state of Pennsylvania, as well as Delaware, but we've also started providing trainings with Um, We have an organization in Canada that we've provided trainings for that are also bringing more of the systemic therapy Mm -hmm. models into their work Mm -hmm. with in-home care with children and youth and adolescents. So there's training opportunities there, but there's also additional supervision, consultation opportunities that continue to expand and grow and and continuing education for those um, professionals that are seeking licensure credits or continuing Mm -hmm. end credits. So I want to make sure, because I never want to just take for granted that Mm -hmm. people understand or know terminology. Mm -hmm. So when you mention a systemic approach Mm -hmm. to supporting families, Break that that down. Yes. So that means that when we talk about that village, Mm -hmm. we are also part of that village. 
right? Mm -hmm. The family is a part of that village. The family is also a system. They operate in certain ways. When you change one person, the rest of the relationships within that system are also going to inevitably change. Mm -hmm. So we work in the way that we are bringing everybody together. We're mindful of how we show up, Mm -hmm. but also about what are the other members of this village, this community that can be brought into this or that are impacting this child or this family in the ways in which they function? So it is a focus on the actual ecosystem of the family. You got it. Yes, you got it. I'll I'll even say to people, you know, many other approaches are that the child is the problem. Right. And not on purpose, right? But that's... To go into service the child. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. systemic family therapy focuses on the relationship is the problem. Yes. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Say that again. So the child, mm-hmm. the child is not the problem. The relationship is the problem. The relationship is the client. That's what we're treating. Mm-hmm. The relationship. The relationship is the client. Mm-hmm. Oh. Not the problem is not the child. Oh my goodness! Where oh, I still have, I still have five questions, y'all. Okay, so no. so to that point, yeah. and um, this is an international show, but I'm actually mm-hmm. just like thinking about some very specific context of things that I'm I've been impacted uh, with. Uh, with clients in Philadelphia and mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. N- nearby regions. And I know you serve tweens and teens and you had a very interesting blog post on your website. So how can we begin to reach use strategies? No, the child isn't the problem, but if we're thinking about how that system village Mm -hmm. could become more attuned Mm -hmm. to the teen or the tween. Mm -hmm. What, what could we begin to think about more deeply? Mm -hmm. I, I just think about how we we lean into people like how mm-hmm. do we when we meet somebody it's kind of like when I met you yeah. right it was like I leaned in and I was like tell me about yourself yes <laughs> yes <laughs> literally y'all literally yeah standing in the kitchen <laughs> it's like oh okay <laughs> yeah but I you know it's really going against the grain right So the system says there are absolute truths, there are rights and wrongs, there are ways things are supposed to be. And what we are saying is what if everybody's truth is their lived experience? Mm -hmm. So yours is true, hers is true, Maya's is is true. Then that means when we show up with people, it's like, tell me more about that. And when they tell you, don't say, I get it. You say, I think I I I get it. (laughs) Can you tell me a little more? And where did you, who taught you that? Where did you learn that? Where does that come from? I I think like in a universal sense, there's shifting from absolutes and facts and psychoeducation to collaboration and curiosity and co-discovery and joining, right? That that's where we get our foot in the door and then people experience, you know what? 
they get me. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm going to try some things I would not have been willing to do, you know? But what's powerful for me in what you just shared, um, I did some healing conversations um, circles in Reading, PA, and our goal was mm-hmm. to bring different generations together. Oh, yeah. But the rule was when the young people start talking, older you have to be quiet and just listen. Even if it wasn't what you did when you were 10, 12, if, even if it is shocking, mm-hmm. even if they use profanity, even mm-hmm. if they staying quiet so they actually feel mm-hmm. fully heard. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we ask those curious questions and we forget to be accepting of what the answer is right? Mm-hmm. Or sensitive to the answer. So oftentimes it's like, let's be, you know, I'm going to help you practice being curious, accepting, and sensitive wow. of they're telling you an answer, but what's really underneath the surface mm-hmm. of that answer? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I love it. I mean, I am so grateful. Like, I didn't know you were doing that, but I have to say, the thing that strikes me so hard in hearing you talk about what you did is that, so y- you had made this question of, about like, you know, all the stuff going on with our youth in the communities. And I, I just think about what happens for a youth that they turn to violence, they turn to a gun, they turn to suicide, they turn to self-harm. And it's that they feel invalidated, Mm -hmm. invisible, that they're a burden. And then you created containment for everybody to try something new Mm -hmm. at a really large level. And that, that's it right there. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it's so simple. It's complex. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what? It, it is simple, but so complex Mm -hmm. because we make it so hard. Mm -hmm. As humans, we make it so hard. Oh my goodness! I, I cannot believe we could we could keep going for another hour. But <laughs> I know you are wondering. These women are phenomenal. How can we follow what they are doing? We don't want to miss another thing. So please share with our listeners before we say um, so farewell. Share with them how they can find you. Mm-hmm. Where yeah. can they? Where can they get connected? So we're on Facebook, the Philadelphia Child and Family Therapy Training Center. We're on Instagram. Um, if you really want to get in and get all the exclusive access, join our blog, Ooh. right? So if you go to pcfttc.com, it's abbreviation for our long name, then you can subscribe to our blog and you'll get access to role plays, you'll, Dr. Sims, stories, journeys, competitions, all sorts of fun things. There you have it. I Mm -hmm. hope you have been so filled, reassured, some way confirmed and affirmed in what you're doing, whether you are a caregiver or you are a provider. I hope you found something. Make sure you share this with others and Same time, same place, next week. We're here on the flip side. We'll see you then. 
Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.